about to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. All right, Third John. Look at verse 2. It says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospers. For I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the what? In the truth. Now, we found out already that sickness and disease was never God's plan or purpose. Basically, by one man, sickness and disease and the curse entered into the world. That one man was who? Was Adam. Adam, when he sinned and when he rebelled, basically opened the door to sin, sickness, disease, and the curse. At that time in the Old Testament, Jesus and, and God the Father basically gave a protection policy to the people back then so that they could walk in divine health even though they were under the curse. Since that time, we have had the opportunity to get born again, to enter into the kingdom of God. And when we did, we received everything that the original Adam has. That means tonight you have authority, you have power, you have dominion, you have the right to choose things now in your life. In other words, you can choose whether to sin or not. The Bible says sin shall have no dominion over you. You have an opportunity of whether you walk in sickness or disease or not because you have authority over that of what he's given you on the inside. And basically because greater is he that is in you than he that is where? In the world. All right, here in 3 John 2, basically it tells you God's desire for your life. He wants you to prosper and to be in health. Say prosper, prosper. and be in health. Be in health. Now notice it does not say prosper and get healed. It says you are to prosper and be in health. Now why does it say that? It says that because basically the day that you got born again, you received the nature of God and that nature of God is health, it is healing. So the day you were born again, not only were you made righteous by the blood, but you were also healed on that day that you got born again. Healing is something that belongs to you. Healing is a divine right. We haven't been taught that. We've just believe we're healed when we don't have a symptom. When we get a symptom, we believe we're sick. But no, you are healed. You are not the sick trying to get healed. You are the healed and the devil's trying to put sickness on your life. Right there is a different way of thinking. It's more of a kingdom of God perspective. And until you get that perspective, you're going to have trouble walking in divine health. So you are a healed person. You are a righteous person. You are an empowered person. You are that all by the grace of God when you got born again in the kingdom of God. Will you come under attack? Yes, you will. But when you do, the Bible says if we simply resist the devil, he will flee from us. So it's your opportunity and it's your, it's your responsibility to resist the devil, to resist sin, and to resist those things in your life. So here God says he wants us to prosper and to be in health. Now, that is God's desire. It just so happens that's my desire also. Is that your desire? Yeah. To prosper and live in health. Well, if that's the thing, it's God's, God's desire and my desire and God is sovereign and God is all powerful, then why in the heck isn't everyone who's born again prospering and living in health if that's God's desire and my desire? Well, notice there's a condition here. It says, even as your soul prospers. Now, notice it doesn't, said, it doesn't say even as your body prospers. It says even as your soul prospers. It doesn't even say even as God desires. It says even as your soul prospers. Sickness is in your physical body, but notice it is a result of a soul condition, your mind, will, and emotions. 
How many of you know worry and stress will cause sickness in your life? Fear will make you sick. Well, if that's true, then peace will keep you healed. Faith will make you well. Worry, stress, fear, joy, peace, all those things are in your soul. That's where they're at, in your mind, your will, and emotions. Now, notice here they say the greatest joy is that truth is in them. In other words, you must get the Word of God in your heart and in your mouth to reveal the truth that's already on the inside. Here they says they, she wishes that we would walk in truth. Now, in the church today and in everybody's life, there are two types of doctrines that you have in your life. You have the sound doctrine from the Word of God or from truth, and you're probably also walking in doctrines of devils or doctrines of unbelief because your mind has to be continually renewed and you're changing every single day. One will set you and keep you free, truth, and one will bind you and keep you bound. So notice, what you believe matters. What you believe about everything in your life makes a difference. Why? Because what you believe, you will receive from somewhere. So if I believe that I'm healed and I live in divine health and sickness disease has no right in my body, I will hook up with kingdom power, the kingdom of heaven in agreement in order to stand against sickness and disease. But if I believe that some days I'm well and some days I'm sick, that sickness can get on me, you hear about sickness and fear fills your little heart and your little soul, if you get to that place then, you will believe that and you will receive that in your life. You, what you believe is very, very important in your life. And I found in my own life, believing is sort of a gradual thing. In other words, first you didn't believe God healed at all, didn't know anything about it. Then you find out God did heal. Praise God. At least he heals sometimes, you know. Heals some, don't heal others. And I found out he's no respecter of a person. He heals everybody. So I said, well, he heals everybody. Then everybody should be healed if that's the way it works. And God just goes progressively with your believer to bring it to a place to where you come into all the knowledge of the truth. And when that happens, the Bible says you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So God's desire is that our soul would prosper how we know the truth and we walk and live in the truth. The result is you will prosper and you will be in health. Now, there's a lot of churches and a lot of different ministries out there and even a lot of people who know it's God's will to save, but there are not that many that believe it's God's will for you to be healed. God's will is everyone would be saved. God's will is not one person go to hell. But how many know that people fail to receive salvation and they still go to hell? Now, why is that? Is it because God didn't like them? Is it because God didn't want them to go to heaven? No, it's simply because they had the opportunity to choose something that was already provided. Salvation has already been provided. It's already there. You never hear somebody dies and you think they went to hell, that, that basically God didn't save them and wouldn't save them. You don't hear them say that God saves some and not others. You definitely wouldn't say that God was teaching brother so-and-so a lesson because how many know that's a very expensive lesson? Nobody in their right mind would talk that way about salvation because salvation is paid for. It's already provided. It is the grace of God. But now healing has been changed into a different area. People want to make up excuses why they do not live healed. You do not live healed because God's trying to teach you something. You do not live in sickness and disease because it's not God's time to set you free. How many you know his time was 2,000 years ago when he provided for it? The Bible says not tomorrow or the next day, but today is the day of your salvation. So just like salvation has been provided and you had to receive it, healing has been provided and you have to receive that also. How do I do that? I get truth into my soul. I get truth, which is the Word of God, into me to a place where it convinces my soul and spirit both that I have been healed 2,000 years ago so that I can stand against sickness and stand against disease. All right, go to Psalm 107. 
All right, Psalm 107, let's look at verse 20. It says, He sent His word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. And let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare His works with rejoicing. So here the Bible tells us that He sent His word, past tense, He healed us and He delivered us from all our destruction. So have you been healed? Have you been delivered? You've been delivered from the curse. You have been past tense healed. God has healed and God has delivered. How did He do that? He sent His word to do that. So health and prosperity, once again, it shows here, are kingdom facts. If you have been born into the kingdom of God, you have a legal right to live in divine health. It belongs to you. You have a legal right to lay hands on the sick. You have a legal right to walk in authority and walk in power. You have a legal right to the name of Jesus. It already belongs to you. All these are legal rights that God has given you when you entered in. So health and prosperity are facts if you've been born into the kingdom of God. There is no reason to be sick. Why? Because he sent his word. No reason to be depressed because he sent his word. No sense living in bondage because he sent his word. No sense to be worried, stressed out, down and out because he did what? He sent his word. Notice once again, you are not the sick ever trying to get healed. You are the healed and the devil is trying to put sickness and disease on you. Now, how do we know that separation is there? It's because the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. What does sickness do? Well, it, it steals your health. It steals your money. It steals time. It steals other people's time. It tries to kill and it tries to destroy. It's not from God. It is from the enemy. People say, I wonder if God will heal me. Well, he already has. Some people say, well, God will heal me if it is his will. Well, no, he won't. He's already did it because it is his will. Those are questions that should not come up in your mind if it's renewed on the word of God. Forgiveness was paid for. He already did it. Well, healing is also paid for. It's done. It is provided. Healing is like salvation. It has been provided. So what should I do about this great revelation that I'm healed and then I'm delivered? Well, you should do verse 21. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. So since I'm already healed, what am I going to do when a symptom hits my body? I'm going to praise the Lord that I'm healed from the top of my head to the soles of my feet because it was provided for me 2,000 years ago. What happens when I wake up and I don't feel born again that day and I just don't feel like I feel like a sold sinner? I'm going to praise the Lord that I'm born again and saved, praise God, because he sent his word and he also saved me. Now notice we praise him for his goodness and his wonderful works. Now what's his goodness? Is that he puts sickness on you, allows the devil to beat you up, lets you suffer in pain until it's time to heal you? Are his wonderful works tornadoes, floods like the insurance people tell you, hurricanes? No, we praise him for what goodness, what wonderful works? Because he sent his word and healed me, and he has delivered me from all destruction. Look at verse 22. And let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with what? Rejoicing. Rejoicing. Notice, since the works are already done, already provided, I should be in a praise and thanksgiving state, declaring His works with rejoicing. Notice, declaring His works. Say, I need to I need declare to. His works. 
So what do I do? I praise God every day that he saved me when I didn't deserve it. I praise God every day that he healed me when I didn't deserve it. I praise God that he delivered me from all destruction. You will not praise him for his wonderful works if you do not know what his wonderful works are. Once again, what comes into play? Ignorance. I'm not going to praise him. As a matter of fact, if I don't know that God wants me healed and healed me already, I'm going to get mad at God before the whole thing's over with. Why? Because a symptom hit my body, and I asked God to heal me, and I thought he loved me, and he hasn't healed me, and since he hasn't healed me, he doesn't love me, and I'm just mad at him, and I ain't going to put up with that anymore, and I ain't going to quit Christianity, and that's what people do. Why? Ignorance. They don't know that he's already provided it for you. It's already there, and it's up to you. Most people praise him so that he will do it. Works. Well, I don't feel good. I'm just going to praise the Lord till he heals me. No, he already healed you. You praise all you want, but that ain't what's going to do it. And even if that's what happens, then you can tell everybody, are you healed now? Yeah, I praise the Lord, and I did it. And I pat myself on the back because I did such a good job. How many of you know you can't pat yourself on the back about anything? Because he already provided it for you. So I'm praising the Lord because he healed me, not in order so God will heal me. I'm not trying to bribe him with my praise and thanksgiving to get that done. So here it says, sacrifices of thanksgiving. Say, sacrifices of thanksgiving. Now, what's a thanksgiving? A thanksgiving or a sacrifice of it is when I don't feel like thanking him. I don't feel like praising him. I don't feel like thanking him. I got a symptom and a pain, and I'll tell you what, I don't feel like thanking and praising anybody right now. I just don't feel like doing that. But what am I going to do? Because I'm a good, strong Christian. I'm going to praise the Lord for his goodness and his wonderful works because I believe in the word he sent more than the symptom that the devil sent. Right there, it's where your believer's at again. What are you believing in? How many Christians basically ask God to send Jesus to save them again when they sin? Nobody. You know you're born again. You confess your sin. He's faithful and just to forgive you your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. It doesn't mean you lost your salvation. It just means you made a little boo-boo. Well, it's the same way when a symptom comes. He doesn't have to come and heal you again. He's already provided healing for you. It is already done. Have you ever heard anybody say, I don't know why God won't save me? No, we tell them to confess Jesus as their Lord, believe in your heart, praise God, that's it, there you go, hallelujah, you're born again, praise God. But with, with sickness and disease, it's a little bit different. First of all, we ask them if they want to be healed, they say, yeah, we lay hands on them, we say, how you doing? They say, I don't feel very good, I'm not doing very good. And you may try it again, and may try it again, and may try it again, and then they leave and say, well, it's a gradual healing, you know, it'll slowly come into tomorrow or the next day. And sometimes that does happen, but notice, you've got to bring them in the present tense with their healing, that's what faith is. Faith is never in the future. Hope is in the future. The Bible says now faith is. If you're not healed now, then you're in the wrong area. If you're not saved now, a lot of people say, well, you don't know if you're saved or not. Oh, yes, you do. Well, you can't know. Oh, yes, you can. The Bible says you can, and you should know whether you're born again or not, basically, and you should know truly if you're healed or not. So what am I doing? I'm getting in the right tense of what's going on. It's a done deal. I know that I've been healed. So what am I going to do? I'm going to spend my day praising him and thanking him for his wonderful works to me in spite of the symptom, in spite of the attack, in spite of what's going on. I'm simply going to thank him and praise him because he's already delivered me. Now, if you don't know you're healed and delivered, how many of you know you will put something else in your mouth? As soon as the symptom comes, well, that must be arthritis. Grandpa had arthritis. Dad had arthritis. Right there in the elbow where I got it too, praise God. Back pain. Oh, yeah, our family's had back pain our whole life. And I'll tell you what, I have found out the devil has a flip chart. And as soon as you get a pain, he'll start reading it off. Heart attack. No, it's in my foot. Okay. And he'll keep going right down, right down until he connects something. And I'll tell you where 
I'll tell you where God is a lot, or where the devil is a lot, on the internet. Had a pain in my knee. Let me check it. My God, there'll be a list of things there. It could be any one of those 35 things in my knee right now. One, the bottom one says your leg may fall off. Oh, my God, that's it. What's it doing? It's building fear in you. You have the advantage because you've already been healed. It's already been provided for you. So basically, I want to keep God's word in my mouth. I want to thank him and praise him for what already has been done in my life that I am healed from head to toe. All right, go to Hebrews chapter 4. With the authority that we have in our lives, not knowing that we have it sometimes, but what you do, you can talk yourself out of anything. If you wake up and feel like you're going to have a bad day, you just say, praise God. This is sometimes I'll put on, this is going to be the best day of my life. Man, that song. And when I'm putting it on, I'm in the shower, and I don't feel like I'm going to have anything that day, you know. But praise God, I'm listening to it. I'm going to have the best day of my And I'll come out singing, I'm going to have the best day of my life. And it just turns everything around. Why is that? Because your mouth will control those things, and it'll control your feelings and control your emotions. All right, Hebrews chapter 4. Look at verse 12. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. Now notice, it pierces even to dividing asunder of your soul and your spirit and of your joints and of your marrow and is discerner of the thoughts and the intent of the heart. Here God sent his word. It's alive and powerful. And it will have an effect not only on you spiritually, on your soul, but also on your bones and on your joints and on your body. So God sent something that's powerful. It is alive. It will affect all parts of you. The word sent so you would have proof of your healing and your deliverance. How would you know that he sent his word and healed you? How would you know he provided healing for you and salvation for you unless he sends his word to you to let you know what's in your constitution and your contract when you entered the kingdom of God? So when I go to the Word of God, it tells me what I have. It's a legal contract. I have a legal contract for my health. I have a legal contract for my wealth. I have a legal contract for power because the Spirit of God's on the inside of me, and I have power, and I have authority in the name of Jesus. All that is part of the contract, but you wouldn't know any of that unless you found it in the Word of God or somebody taught you out of the Word of God. Otherwise, you just think you're an ordinary mere man when you're not. You're more than that according to the Word of God. All right, go to Proverbs chapter 4. All right, Proverbs 4, are you there? All right, look at verse 20. It says, My son or my daughter, attend to my words. Incline thy ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thy heart, for they are life unto those that find them, and they are health to all their flesh. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues or the forces of life. Put away from thee a froward mouth and a perverse lips put far from thee. All right, here is God speaking, basically, and it's talking about the Word of God. It says if you stay in the Word of God, basically, you keep it before your eyes. What happens? It will be life unto those that find them and health. Actually, the word here is medicine, 
it will be health and medicine to how much of your flesh? All of your flesh. So people all over the world, and especially at the age of 60, 65, I find out, are taking five to 10 pills a day every day. Why? Because a doctor prescribed medicine to help their physical body, a different pill for different problems, a pill for blood pressure, a pill for your cholesterol, a pill for your heart, a pill for this. Well, here, Dr. God gives you a prescription to heal how much of your flesh? All of your flesh. One prescription covers all. What's his prescription for every born-again believer? Attend to my words. In other words, put his word first place. Give your attention to the word. Number two, listen to my words. Faith comes by hearing and by hearing the word of God. Look at my words. See yourself healed. See yourself delivered. See yourself on top. And to keep your word in his word in your heart. In other words, be mindful of the word. Praise and thank God for being healed for what he's already done for you. And notice the results he guarantees. Life and health to all of your flesh. Does that include your muscles, your heart, your bones, your joints, everything, doesn't it? So here, Dr. God has given you a a thing to do if you'll follow the prescription. Now, how many of you know if you went to your natural doctor and he gave you a bottle of pills and it says, take these pills three times a day, but you get up in the morning and you said, well, I'm just going to take them one time a day because I don't really feel like taking them three times a day. Plus, I'm awful busy today. I ain't really got time to take them. Uh, I just really ain't going to do that today. And then three days later, you're not feeling better. You call the doctor and complain. says, your medicine's not working. And he would say, are you following the prescription or not? Well, no, I'm only taking one a day because I've been really busy lately. And I, how many know he's going to say, it's your fault? All right, well, here's the same with Dr. God. Just because you don't feel like reading the Word, just because you've heard that healing tape once before back in 1928 and it stuck with you, just because I did healing class seven years ago, I know all about healing. I'm an expert on healing. No, it doesn't work that way. You can't blame God if you're suffering with sickness and disease because you're not following the prescription that God basically has given you. And I'll tell you, with God's medicine, the best part is you cannot overdose. There are no side effects, but there is a warning. You may become addicted. Hallelujah. Glory to God. When a symptom comes, basically simple, double up on your medicine when you're under attack. Why is that important? Verse 23, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues or the spiritual forces of your life. What you attend to, incline to, keep your eyes and heart on will get sooner or later in your mouth. Look at verse 24. Put away from thee a froward mouth, a perverse lips put far from thee. Why is that? Because we already know from Scripture that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what you're paying attention to will sooner or later get in your mouth. We found out last week that it's up to you. You choose blessing or cursing. You choose sickness or health. You choose prosperity or poverty. You choose praise and thanks or talking about sickness and disease. All right, look at verse 25. Let your eyes look on and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Let thy eyes look right on, straight before. In other words, don't take your eyes off the word of God no matter what comes to you in the natural realm. Your eyes must be on the Word of God. If you do that, sooner or later, your soul is going to prosper. And when your soul prospers, you are going to be in health as your soul prospers. Now, notice, if your eyes are on the problem, if they're on the symptom, how many of you know your soul is not going to prosper and you're not going to be in health? 
And this is hard for people who basically get born again and they've had sickness and disease for years and years and years. Why is that? Because they've been reminded every time they go to the doctor, they have been rehearsing these symptoms forever and ever, over and over again. This is what I've got. I've had this all my life. I got this when I was 15 and I've still got it. And I've got it over and over again. Notice they're not praising and thanking God for their healing and deliverance that he already gave them, but they're continually basically talking about their problem. And how many know if you talk about your problem, it will grow. It's like a seed in your life. So they're asking then and later on wondering why a loving God won't do a thing for them when they expect him to do something. It's simply because what you're talking basically is what you'll end up with. God already sent his word. He sent us his medicine to heal us and to deliver us. I remember I was reading a book one time by Smith Wigglesworth, and he said the problem coming up in the future, which would be now, he said basically most Christians are going to treat God as a second chance God. In other words, just because the doctor's medicine didn't work for you, now you're going to go to God and give him an opportunity to do something in your life. God doesn't want to be a second chance God. He wants to be the first opportunity God. Are you following me? And why is that? Because we've got so much medicine and so much stuff out there and so many answers basically in the natural realm that it's very easy just to do something like that rather than to stand on God's word and believe God's word. So don't make him second chance. Keep God first chance. Hallelujah. Go to Proverbs 18. All right, Proverbs 18, look at verse 21. It says, death and life are completely up to God and you have absolutely nothing to do with it. Is that what it says? No. Death and life are in the power of the, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. So death and life are not up to God, if it be his will in his time. No, death and life are in the power of your tongue. You are choosing daily, life and death, cursing blessing, sickness or health. But people say, well, God will allow it. God will allow whatever you call for in your life. He has to. You have a free will. How many of you know if you don't shower for a week, he will let you stink? And you can't say, I don't know why God don't do something about this smell. No, hopefully the Holy Ghost will say, get a bar of soap and get in the shower and everything will be fine. Praise God. Hallelujah. All right. Verse 21 says, you shall eat the fruit thereof. The fruit of what? The fruit of your tongue, what you're talking, what you're speaking, what you're claiming, what you're believing. If you plant an orange tree, you cannot blame God if you wanted apples. You get what you plant. You cannot talk sickness, disease, flu, pain all the time, and then wonder why God isn't doing something for you. Your confession is what brings your possession. In the kingdom of God, your confession brings your possession. Whatever you confess, you will sooner or later possess. Talk sickness, you'll have plenty of it. Talk lack, you will never have enough. Talk fear, and you will live faithless. Whatever you're talking is the key. That's why he said he's already sent his word, healed and deliver us. Oh, that men would praise and thank him for his goodness and his wonderful works. So as long as you're praising God for what he's already done, you're in a pretty good place. All right, go to Hebrews chapter 13. get in the thick of ministry, you'll really start to understand some of this stuff because you won't have a choice but use it. There are times in the early ministry when I had to say, thank God for TCVC. 
Hallelujah. Thank God for the people of TCVC. And all the time I'm thinking, these people are nuts. <laughs> Praise God for the church. Hallelujah. Thank God for making me a pastor. Glory to God. And then Ted would call and say, ain't it great to be a pastor? Ain't it great? I didn't really need that. I was having enough trouble the way it was. All right, Hebrews chapter 13. Look at verse 15. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God when you feel like it, when you're having a good day, and when everything's going great. No. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually, that is, the fruit of your lips, giving thanks to his name. Once again, it's a sacrifice of praise. Am I going to have to go beyond and above my feelings and emotions sometimes to do that? Yes, a lot of the time. Here it says continually. In other words, what you're talking all day long, not just in church on Sunday morning, not just when you're around a brother. Not when, imagine how people's language really clears up when they get around a pastor. Blessed. Lord loves everybody. Praise God. They walk out the back door, it completely changes. Praise God. I don't know what happens back there at the door, but something happens and everybody starts to change. Praise God. How is that? You don't understand that you're living by your words every single day, even when you're by yourself. You're thinking and talking to yourself sometimes. So here it says, a sacrifice of praise, giving thanks to his name. Now, you're not thanking him for the symptom. You're not thanking him for the pain. You're not thanking him for suffering like Jesus. You're thanking him because he sent his word and healed you, and he has already delivered you from all your destruction. Praise God. All right, go to Hebrews chapter 3. All right, very important scripture here. Hebrews chapter 3, look at verse 1. It says, wherefore, holy brethren, say that's me, wherefore, holy brethren, the partakers of the heavenly calling Consider the apostle and the high priest of your profession or confession, Christ Jesus. So here he's talking to us. We're the holy brethren. He's saying you are partakers of the heavenly calling, and you need to consider the apostle and the high priest of your confession. Who is who? Jesus Christ. So here it tells you Jesus right now, what's his work? He is the apostle and the high priest. The apostle is one sent. The high priest is one to minister into effect. So he's the high priest and the apostle. He is the one sent to minister into effect in our lives. He's the one sent to minister God's things into our life. So Christ Jesus was sent to minister the blessings of God into your life. Now let me ask you a question. Is he the apostle and high priest of healing? Is he apostle and high priest of prosperity? No, he's not. Look at the verse. He is the apostle and high priest of your what? confession. He's not the apostle and high priest of healing or everybody be healed. It's not his choice. He is the apostle and high priest, the one sent to bring your confession into your life. He's not one to just drop healing on you. He just can't drop prosperity on you. He can't do that. It's entirely up to you. So how's he going to do that? He's going to operate by the power of your tongue that's controlled by the abundance that's in your mouth. So the abundance in my heart and in my mouth, what's in there? Am I attending to the Word and I'm meditating on the Word? Am I thinking about the Word? Is it going in my ear? Is it staying in my heart so that it's bringing healing to every single part of my body and I'm talking healing and I'm living healing by the fruit of my mouth that's coming out because I'm not moaning, I'm not murmuring, I'm not complaining, I'm not telling everybody. Most of the time when you tell someone about a problem in your life, it's to get sympathy. 
And is there a temptation to do that? All the time. All the time. Why is that? Because sometimes you want attention. Man, when there's something hurting my wife, I just want to go to her and just say, Oh, honey, oh, my gosh. Oh, you don't know how bad I feel. It's right here in my back. Could you just deal with that? Thank you so much for dealing with that. But what, that ain't going to help at me standing there talking about it and then her talking about it, then it's both talking about it, and then two or three agree. Praise God. That ain't going to help anything either. But how I many you know you get a lot more attention when you do that kind of stuff? And sometimes they want the pity and they want the attention for that. But that is not going to help you in this situation. Now, if you're a younger Christian and don't have that revelation about divine health and whatever, you need to talk to somebody and tell somebody about it. Do you understand? Go to a Christian who knows how to lay hands, who knows how to release the power of God and get you healed. Praise God. But then grow up. Don't stay the same way for 20 years. How long have you been born again? 42 years now. Don't know nothing. No, you're supposed to grow in the things of God and grow up spiritually through the Word of God and through teaching that you sit under, praise God. All right, go, just go to Hebrews 4 while we're right there anyway. Verse 14 says, Seeing then that we have a high, great high priest, who is our high priest? Jesus, the Son of God, is passed into the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our profession or our confession. So I've got to hold fast to the things that God has showed me. I've got to hold fast that I'm healed. I've got to hold fast that I'm joyful. I've got to hold fast that I have the peace of God. I'm going to hold fast that I'm stable in every situation. Not going up, not going down. I'll be right there. I'm going to stay stable on the Word of God. What am I doing? I'm walking my path that I'm supposed to walk, and I'm staying there. And then He can minister into the fact through the power of the Holy Ghost in you to walk that way. You'll walk. As long as you're in agreement with God, you have a connection with the Spirit of God on the inside of you to bring to pass anything that God has already provided for you on the inside. When you get out of, when you get into disagreement, you cut yourself off from that power that's in there, that well that's in there that'll allow you to live in joy and love and peace and patience and all those things, and you get off into the natural. And how many of you know when you get off the natural, it doesn't work out very good at all? Hallelujah. All right, go back to go back to third John. There's a lot of information, so if you need a tape, get one. They're $42.50 back there tonight only, and they'll go up in price. All right, 3 John 2 once again says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health even as what? Your soul prospers. So God desires you to prosper, be in health, but it's by getting your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions, your imagination in line with the kingdom of God. You are a spirit, you have a soul, but you live in this physical body. So what you think matters. There are thoughts you need to receive, and the Bible says there are thoughts you need to cast down. Whenever thoughts come to you, that you'll start to recognize thoughts that are coming to get you into pity, thoughts that are coming to try to get you to say something in line with sickness and disease. As you practice this and put it into practice, the Spirit of God will help you on the inside to curb your mouth from talking about those things. Kenneth Hagin used to say that basically a bird can land on your head, but you have to keep him from making a nest. What was he talking about? Thoughts will come, but you've got to make sure thoughts go. Don't let them sit there and build a whole nest and have a bunch of babies up there before you finally try to cast the thing down. You'll end up in something called a stronghold after a period of time. And then you may need help from someone else to get delivered in that area. So any thoughts you get that is anti-health, any thoughts you get of sickness, how many know when this uh, pandemic came out, people went into a frenzy? Why is that? Because a lot of people were afraid of the pandemic. 
if you know that the pandemic can't get to you, there's no sense being afraid of it if it can't get to you. Are you following me? But if you don't know that, then there's going to be some fear there. There's going to be some panic there. The enemy feeds on fear. That's his lunch. That's his best thing. Whatever you're afraid of, he wants to make you afraid of everything because whatever you're afraid of, he can then get into your life. If you're afraid of going broke, you need to get over it because, I mean, you keep it up. You're going to be there. You're going to make it. So you don't want to do that. You want to eliminate fear out of your life. God has not given you a spirit of but of love, power, and of a sound. sound mind. Praise God. The Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So if you think you're sick, how many know you're going to live sick? If you think you're poor and going to stay poor, you will live poor. If you think basically you're healed, you will live healed. You cannot think and see yourself sick and live healthy. That's why you have people a lot of times in wheelchairs are hard to get up out of the wheelchair. Why? Because they've seen themselves in the wheelchair for so long that they can't see themselves getting up out of that wheelchair. That's why you've got to paint a picture for them sometime of them getting up, of them jumping up, of them seeing themselves. You've got to give them a future. You're going to walk someday. You're going to get up out of that wheelchair. The power of God's going to hit you and you're going to get up, start building it in their thought life and in their imagination because it opens a door for the power of God to hit their life and change their situation. After the new birth, your soul must be renewed to the Word of God. And if you do that, it will prosper. Say prosper. All right, go to Luke chapter 4. Say, my days of sickness are over forever. All right, Luke chapter 4, look at verse 42. And when it was day, Jesus departed and went into a desert place, and the people sought him and came unto him and and stayed him, and he should not depart from them. And he said unto them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, for therefore am I sent. And he preached in the synagogue of Galilee. Notice here we see Jesus getting results. He was getting kingdom of God results. He had rebuked fever. We'd seen that. He's laid hands and healed some. He's seen devils come out. But notice what he says in verse 43. He does not say, I must heal. He does not say, I must cast out. He does not say, I must rebuke. He said, I must preach. Say preach. preach. He preached. Why was, why was he preaching? Because that's why he was sent. He knew the importance of the preached word to people, basically to change their soul and prosper their soul so he could get healing and deliverance over to them. It was the foundation of his ministry. I think basically in the day we're living now, the church has lost sight of the power of the preached word. The church wants a McDonald's quick treatment. I want to get healed. I've been to church twice in the last 42 years and been to Wednesday night one time last year, and I'm ready to get healed. No, you're not ready for anything, do you see? Jesus knew that the word had to be preached to bring faith into people's lives so that they could receive and renew their soul to the things that he did. So he preached the word. And in this day and age, I don't see an excitement for the Word of God. I saw more excitement back 20 years ago, I think, when I was first getting into the ministry. I mean, you'd have a Sunday morning service, you'd have 65, 70 people there. You'd have a Wednesday night service, you'd have 50, 55 people there. Now on Sundays, you've got 60, 65, 70. On Wednesday night, you're fortunate to get 12 sometimes. Why is that? Because people don't understand how important the Word of God is to them as a spiritual being. How many of you forget to eat for three or four days? Never, do you? 
Never got a problem with that. You can say, oh my God, I, I just ate Monday and here it is Thursday. I forgot all about it. No, no, you didn't have a problem stuffing your face. There was no problem there at all. But spiritually, see, it's just different. Well, if I got time, I'll do it. I'll do this. No, no, that's not the way it works. If you're serious about the things of God, then you're going to need the word of God and you're going to need it broke down so that you can eat something. I mean, I pray every time you leave this place, you feel like you had a meal. I feel like you got something. You're going home and thinking about something. When you wake up in the morning, something's still there and you can't get rid of it on the inside because we want to minister by the Holy Ghost and hit you right in the spirit. We're not here to give you mental information. We're here to knock you right in the spirit and get revelation into your mind. So here it says, he must preach. Say, I must preach. All right, look at chapter 5, verse 1. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to do what? Hear the word of God. He stood by the lake of Gennesaret. Now notice, back in this day, these people were pressing in to hear the word of God. Some of them went to a mountain and were there for three days without anything to eat just to hear the word of God, and he'd had to dispel them. Why, apparently back then there was a hunger to hear the word of God and understand that the word of God worked in their life. So even prosperity, your answer is not get four jobs. Your answer to healing is not get another flu shot. Your answer is to hear the Word of God and press into it so it becomes revelation to you. You will learn your rights. You will get a new boldness in your life because that belongs to me and devil, you ain't taking it anymore. You're not going to have that victim mentality, but you're going to have a victor mentality. You're going to start living like a king rather than a subject or a pauper, praise God. All right, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. It's amazing. You read books. You know, I've been reading books on healing, basically, because that's what I'm teaching on. But you read, read a book, and I read a book, probably I got it labeled where it was like 10 years ago, then I read it five years ago, and now I'm reading it again. And as I go through there, I've got yellow underlines for the first time I went through it, orange underlines for the second time, and now i got a pen, and I'm saying, why wasn't it there the first time? Why didn't that book say that the second time? Why? Because as you grow and you reread something... You get revelation on stuff that was a little over your head before you read it the last time. But now you've grown up a little bit. Now you don't have to eat baby food anymore. Cream this and mash that. No, you can have a good old steak every now and then, praise God, if you want it. And it's the same way in the Spirit. Don't be afraid to hear a tape over and over again. Don't be afraid to have a book over and over again. I'm telling you, I can preach sermons better than some of the guys that originally preached them. Because when I preach a sermon, I preach a sermon, and that's the end. I don't even go back and listen to myself. But somebody else's sermon, I've heard it over and over and over and over and over again. I know what they're going to say next, but I need what they're going to say next because it's further revelation to me. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Look at verse 18. It says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved. Say, that's me. What is it to you? It is the power of what? It is the power of God. Now, we've taught that the preaching of the cross is for those who need to get saved. Why is that? Because we thought once they get saved, all they've got to do now is wait and die and go to heaven, and that was the end of their thing. But no, the preaching of the cross gets you in there. Forget about heaven. Now it wants you to grow up in the things that were provided on the cross for you, so you start walking in your healing, your deliverance, your righteousness, your wholeness, praise God, your victory. The preaching of the cross is the power of God. What, at the cross? Healing was provided and settled for you. Victory provided and settled. Sin was defeated once and for all. Deliverance was provided. Satan and demons were defeated. Where was this at? At the cross, praise God. 
being born again is more than just going to heaven. And that's where the church has made the mistake. You're born again, you're going to heaven, you're done. Now just wait around till you die and go to heaven. But there's more to it than that. There's provision for you. There's power for you. There's a calling on your life. There's a destiny for you. There's a purpose for you. And you're never going to find that just by waiting around to go to heaven when you die someday. When I die, then I'll have power. No, you've got it now. When I die, I'll never have sickness and disease again. Well, that's true, but you don't have to have it here either. See, we keep making excuses for this stuff, but it's already been provided and Jesus did it. So now notice, it doesn't say the cross is the power of God. It says the preaching of the cross is the power of God. Hallelujah. All right, go to Matthew chapter 8. And this is one of the things that happened back in the charismatic renewal back in those days when the Holy Ghost was moving and people were getting saved and filled with the Holy Ghost and all at once everybody could give a word and everybody could teach and everybody could preach and all at once started a bunch of home meetings and you had somebody there didn't know anything about the Bible but they were starting a home meeting and they were starting a Bible study and pretty soon it wasn't even any word they would just have words all night and float around and do whatever they did and the word got phased out see the church is good at that you know, when faith comes in, then the heck with everything else. When healing comes in, the heck with everything else. We're just dealing with healing. When the Holy Ghost comes, we don't need the Word anymore. When the Word comes, we don't need the Holy Ghost anymore. Why not put them all together? Yes. See, that's what God's been doing all along. He's been coming along this, this revival. He didn't want you to leave that revival and go to the next. He wanted you to take what you got in that revival and bring it along into the next revival. So you've got power, you've got healing, you've got the Holy Ghost, you've got tongues, you've got power, you've got joy. See, the, the joy came back in 19, early 1990s, and I'll tell you, it is a wonderful thing to do, and some people don't even, can't even keep joy for two minutes. Why? Because it's a spiritual thing on the inside. And I'll tell you, God is going to bring all these together. Boom. I'm telling you, they're all coming together, praise God. You're not going to be able to pick and choose which you want that day. Well, I want healing, and I want this, but I'm going to be down and out today. No, it ain't going to work that way, praise God. You're going to have to take the whole enchilada. Come on, that's what's coming. That's what this final revival is going to be. There's going to be no more pansying around anymore, praise God. You're going to be full of the joy of the Lord. You're going to know the power that you got. You're going to know the authority you got. You're going to laugh at sickness and disease. You're going to laugh at the devil because he's already been defeated 2,000 years ago. All right, where do we go? Matthew chapter 8. All right, Matthew 8, look at verse 16. And when the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word, and he healed all that were sick. Now, what was the matter with these people that were sick? According to this scripture, they were possessed under the control of, under the dominion of, and under the works of who? The devil. Let me tell you right now, one thing that's going to help you is you cannot separate sickness and disease from the devil. One and the same. In other words, you may call it the flu, it's the devil. You see? And if you just think it's the flu, then you won't fight against it, you won't resist it, you won't cast it out, because it's the flu. No, it's a devil. Everything, all sickness and disease doesn't come from God, right? So it's got to come from someplace, and there's only two. There's God and the devil. And if it didn't come from God, there's only one option left, and that would be the devil. So see, it's from the devil. I don't care what they call it, whatever, whatever they type it, whatever they do. You have to see it as a demonic attack against your life and realize that you have authority. Sin isn't accepted in the church, but sickness is. You can get up and say, oh, my gosh, I, my arm's falling off and I can't breathe and I'm falling down. Everybody say, oh, it's too bad. But you'll never get up and say, well, I committed adultery yesterday and I had fornication the day before. Nobody's going to get up and say that. Why? Because it's not accepted in the church. Nobody's going to come up and say, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that, that you had adultery and fornication. I feel so bad for you. See, it's not accepted, but sickness disease has been accepted now in the church and it's being received by everybody that's here. So notice it's possessed, praise God. Why is that? 
because of demonic possession. Now, I don't mean the devil's coming into you. I mean there's an oppression coming upon you that's called sickness and disease that will try to come on you. So Jesus healed all these people, but notice most of them, in order to do it, he cast out the devil with his word. Praise God. How many know when the devil goes, things get better? All right, go to Acts chapter 10. All right, Acts chapter 10, look at verse 38. How God anointed, rubbed and smeared Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed under the power of, under the dominion of the devil, for God was with him. Now we know God was with him by the anointing of God, the rubbing and smearing. But here he says he went about healing all who were what? oppressed of the devil. So Jesus knew what he was doing. He wasn't dealing just with sickness and disease. He was dealing with demonic oppression. He called sin, sin, and he called basically everything. He called unbelief, unbelief. I mean, you know, he looked at Peter and said, get behind me, Satan, when he was in unbelief. Jesus didn't mess around with words. He said exactly what he was dealing with the whole time. So Jesus always saw the real source of the problem. The real problem is demonic. It is the devil. For people to be free and live free, Jesus had to do something about the devil in order for us to live free in our lives. All right, go to Colossians chapter 2. All right, Colossians chapter 2, look at verse 13. And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, has he made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Now, when did he do that? He did that when you got born again. Isn't that the day you got born again? He had blotted out the handwriting of the ordinances that was against you, which was contrary to us, and he took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. Now, look at verse 15. He didn't only take care of your sins, but then he spoiled principalities and powers, and he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. So not only did he defeat sin, but he defeated the source of sickness and disease, which was the devil. So not only did he defeat sin, but here it says he spoiled principalities and powers. The Word of God says he spoiled them, he discarded the evil powers, he disarmed principalities and powers. Another one says he thoroughly defeated once and for all, all demonic power. And it goes on to say he made a show of them. He put their defeat on public display. He thoroughly exposed and shattered and left them powerless and defeated. Now, did he defeat sin so you could be saved? Did he spoil and defeat and disarm the devil so that you could be healed of demonic oppression? Yes, he did. People hear all the time about the devil and believe in the devil, but do you believe in the defeat of the devil? Two different things, see? I believe there's a devil, but do you believe he's defeated? That's what makes more, that's what will help you out more than anything else, praise God. All right, look at Hebrews chapter 2. Clock's going to get me tonight. Hebrews chapter 2, look at verse 14. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, how many know we got flesh and blood? 
He also, Jesus himself, likewise took part in the same, that through his death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is who? The devil. And deliver them, who's that? Us, who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to what? To bondage. So here it says Jesus destroyed him. It tells you who it is, the devil. He did it at the cross. He destroyed, brought to naught, rendered him powerless, broke his power, paralyzed him. The church has spent all its energy and a lot of it trying to fight a knocked out devil. All the time talking about what the devil's doing in their life and what he's doing to them. Why not talk about what Jesus has already done for you that he spoiled and brought to naught and thoroughly defeated the devil? What is that? It's a kingdom perspective. It's where I am. It's where I've been raised and seated. The devil wants to work on your soul. He uses even Hollywood to do that. I may have ever seen a Hollywood picture where the devil gets defeated. No, he's out there killing everybody and cutting everybody's head off. And he looks like this great, big, strong thing. And that's what he wants to put in your mind of who he is. He wants to put fear in there of how big he is and what he can do, praise God. And a lot of times in your own life, even though the devil has been knocked out, say, Jesus knocked him out. Even though he got knocked out, your mouth will be smelling salts to him. In other words, you want to revive him, just talk about your problems, talk about sickness and disease, talk about bad things are, talk about how bad you feel. What are you doing? You're rising him up off the canvas so he can come back to you one more time. You don't want to do that. You want to speak the word of God and keep him down on the mat where he was. Now, notice it says he had, say had. How many know that's past tense? He had the power of death, spiritual and physical. He no longer has the power of death because he's already been defeated. The Bible says that Jesus went around destroying, spoiling, disarming, and bringing to naught the devil himself. All right, one more. Go to Luke chapter 10. So if I know the devil's defeated, and if I know that sickness is demonic oppression, that means I not only have authority over a defeated devil, but I have authority over all demonic oppression, which means I have authority over all sickness, which is demonic oppression, which came from the devil. Do you see that? Amen. All right, Luke chapter 10. Look at verse 18. Oh, we got to go back to 17. That's too good. Look at verse 17. And the 70 disciples returned again with joy, saying, Lord, my God, even the devils are subject to us, to us through your name. So he tells them to go out, cast the devil out, heal the sick. You know what happened? They did it. And when they did it, they were so shocked that it actually worked that they came back excited to tell Jesus that what he said actually worked. How many know that probably didn't impress him much? Look at verse 18. And Jesus said unto them, don't worry about it. I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Now, how many know that was prophetic? Jesus said, there's a day coming when I'm going to suffer and die, praise God, and throw his hind end out of heaven forever, and I'm going to keep him down where he belongs, and everything's going to be fine and dandy. And then verse 19, he says, but behold, look, I give unto you power, that word there is authority, I give unto you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means do what? Hurt you. Hurt you. Now, he's talking to the church, ain't he? He says, hey, Satan's going to fall like lightning from heaven. I'm going to defeat him for one time. And behold, I'm going to give you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions. Now, how many know that is symbolization for demons? He's not talking about you getting a bunch of snakes and scorpions and walking across them and not getting bit. He's talking about spiritual things. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over how much? All. Say all. 
notice, all the power of the enemy, sin, sickness, disease, the curse. You have authority over all the power of the enemy, and nothing by any means should ever do what? Hurt you. Now watch verse 20. Notwithstanding in this rejoice not. Well, I'll tell you what, that's a lot to rejoice for me. I don't know about you. Notwithstanding in this, don't rejoice that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. So what happens? When I came into the kingdom of God, got born again, I was put on as a legal resident. I wasn't illegal. I was legal. I was put in God's book and said, ooh, they're a member of the kingdom of God. Tom Karras is now a member of the kingdom of God. And at that day, say that day, all at once I had authority. I had power. I had all this. What depends on whether I got authority and power over the devil and what depends whether I live in victory? I just go back and say, is my name written? Not what I feel like, not what it looks like, not that the devil's happy or I'm sad or what's going on, but is my name written in the kingdom of God book that gives me everything and my inheritance in the kingdom of God? Oh, there it is, praise God. So I'm going to rejoice, praise God, that I entered the kingdom of God. And with it, say with it, see, we want to get in the kingdom of God and try to acquire power and acquire healing and acquire the... No, when you got in there, it all came, praise God. It was all your inheritance right like that, praise God. He has blessed you with how many spiritual blessings? I've already been blessed with all spiritual blessings. It's you. So when I entered the kingdom of God, when I was born in the United States, when I got to be 16, I could drive a car. I was allowed to do whatever I was allowed to do in the United States because I was a citizen and it came with me. I didn't do anything. I was just born here. When you got born again, you were born into the kingdom of God and everything there, all the inheritance belongs to you. What's it based on? Have you entered the kingdom of God? Have you not entered the kingdom of God? So don't try to figure this stuff out. You walked into it freely, praise God, when you got born again and now sickness and disease has no authority over you anymore. Worry out of your life. Fear, no way. Jose, praise God. Not going to put up with that stuff. Why? It's not. It's of the devil. He's trying to get in my soul. He's trying to mess up my soul. That's not going to happen. I'm not going to worry about going broke anymore. Praise God. I am one prosperous dude. Praise God. You need some money? Just come to me. Glory to God. And, and I'll dig it right out of there. Praise God. How you doing today? Rich. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I'm rich. Praise God. Debt free. Glory to God. Now, I don't have any money. I'm not going to make it. I'm so far in debt. See, you're just saying, devil, come and steal some more. Take another 20 bucks here, another 50 bucks there. But we don't do that because we're growing up in the things of God, praise God. And we know who we are, glory to God. And we have entered the kingdom of God. And your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Hallelujah. All right, give the Lord a hand clap tonight.